from Connects Media, this is Atlanta Born and Brand. I'm your host, Jonathan Hilliard. Atlanta Born and Brand is a show all about businesses built right here in the capital of the South. But more importantly, it's a show about their founders. We wanted to find some of the city's most interesting entrepreneurs and creators, hear about their challenges, successes, and how they built a brand that will last. Encourage wisdom. That is the personal motto of our guest this week, Casey Riles, who lives in Claremont, Georgia with his wife and three daughters. For the last 11 years, he has managed an insurance agency and started a specialty dump truck business with his brother called Riles Brothers. The man kind of does it all. But today, we're going to talk to you about his latest venture, a self-management book titled Last to Least. So many leadership authors are fond of the phrase, before you can lead others, you must learn to lead yourself. But never go in-depth on how to lead and manage yourself. Today, we talk with Casey about his personal journey to writing the book and how to be the most productive version of ourselves. Uh, first of all, thanks for coming in and being on the show. It's great to have somebody in the in the studio here. We've been doing a lot of Zoom interviews, mm-hmm. and um, I appreciate. I know you you didn't have a short drive to get down here, so thank you for that. But uh, first, before we talk about last to least, I would love to just hear a little bit about your your background. Where are you from? Uh, where did you, you grow up? And and how ultimately did you get yourself sort of on the career path that that you find yourself on today? Yeah, man. Cool. That's a good. Uh, open-ended question right there. Yeah, yeah, just get you going. Of a sales guy, you know, <laughs> start out broad. The uh, I no, I, I grew up in North Georgia, so okay. I've been around all, all my life. I, me and my wife laugh because I went to like every college in Georgia. Uh, I thought I was on this fast track, so I just went and took all the classes I needed and bounced around. There you but, go. Um, I, some people ask me about uh, insurance is where I started my career, and mm. you know, uh, it's funny. I, I actually went to medical school, so I went to Medical College of Georgia. Wow. Um, over in Milledgeville, and when yeah, my buddy, my best friend's a, a PA. Uh, we have every class hmm. in, in common. I didn't do the clinical part, which is the last like sure. twelve months, and you know, decided that's not my path. And hmm. actually, I tell people I started in insurance just because I needed a job at the time. I didn't know what else I wanted to do. Yeah. <laughs> One of my buddies was like, "Hey, man, you should come over here and check this out." And then I ended up staying there because I really like people. And yeah. that's not common, I've found. <laughs> a lot of people don't really like people, and so yeah. I really, really like people. Um, so started there, and, and I've actually been with this uh, carrier that I'm with for 12 years now. Wow. And um, then uh, about four years ago, my brother and I had a little itch, and he, he felt the same way. He, you know, we wanted to try to build something really special that, you know, that we could grow and change with. And uh, as great as it's been with, you know, even in the insurance world that I'm in, uh, you know, just having that where you kind of create the culture right. and you respond to the needs as you see them in the community. Um, and so both of us kind of got that itch. We started Riles Brothers. Uh, it's about four years ago now. Our emblem is the donkey. I love it, man. It's like a bunch of construction people have ribbed me about this. and. So I'll tell you why in a minute, but yeah. I, I, I'm not going to be too long on my answer. But no, you're good. Yeah, that's um, that, that's kind of how we got where we are right now. I, I really started, I, I laugh because, you know, like somebody asked me on a podcast not long ago, they were like, well, why should we, why should somebody, our listeners, listen to you? I was like, man, I'm the most average person you've ever had <laughs> on here. 
very <laughs> average because when people come from extraordinary, like, you know, uh, George Bush Jr., you know, is the president. It's like, how did he, how did you become the president? Well, you start by right. being born into a family where your dad was the president. There was <laughs> like, a silver spoon involved. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm like, you know, I want to hear some advice from a normal person. You yeah. Know? Uh, so uh, no, I, you know, I think a lot of times when you are uh, born into extraordinary circumstances, or if you're born with incredible natural talent, you know. <laughs> Sometimes it's hard to relate to that. You know, most of us find ourselves between the 20th and the 80th percentile sure. because that's just how a bell curve works. Right. Simple math, you know. Yep. So I'm like, you know, I, I've always wanted to get advice from people who seem to find a way to be successful without yeah. being born into extraordinary circumstances or, you know, things like that. So really, last to least, that's why it was kind of born out of as I started looking back at, at my own life and, and I read a lot of leadership material and it would say every leadership book I ever read said, you know, you can't learn to lead others until you first learn to lead, to lead yourself. Hmm. But no book <laughs> gives more than a paragraph <laughs> about how do you lead yourself. Yeah. So I'm like, somebody needs to do that. And after I told a few people, <laughs> somebody needs to do that. I kept hearing, well, why don't you do that? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I'll give it a whirl. Yeah. So that's kind of how we got to there. Sure. What was the timeline on that where you started really thinking about put uh, you know putting those thoughts together? A long time, man. Yeah. Yeah. Probably 2015 is wow. when it started uh, because um, I actually went into a, an agency to manage an agency. It was the first one I had managed, and I was an agent before that at the at the office where I am now. Mm. Um, but the first guy that was kind of you know bought into this concept it was like i'd been leading myself this way and then i I told that office you know the people that were there i said i'm going to teach you how to lead yourself you know that's what i want to do i i don't want to necessarily just lead you but i want to teach you to lead yourself that's my goal and as we started walking through it this guy had been with our company for about 15 years and um you know we do everything on ranking. Everything's ranked. You know, it's yeah. like sales. It's like, sure. if you're not first, you're last. You know, it's <laughs> like, how do you go from worst to first? Yeah. You know, and he was third from the bottom when I showed up. And 12 months later, he was third from the top. Wow. And so we laughed about it because it was like, man, you went, you're like the 1990 Braves. You know, yeah. you went from worst to first. Right. But then I actually told him, I'm like, bro, you, you didn't go from worst to first. You went from last to least. Hmm. You know, you, what he did was not worry about the ranking reports at all. He took a whole different route, and he learned to lead himself by actually forgetting himself. Yeah. So uh, that was kind of – that's when I kind of started like, okay, I thought last to least was cool <laughs> when I told him he was going from last to least, not worst to first. So I'm like, man, we need to kind of try to codify this kind of system that you used. Yeah. And it started from there. That makes a ton of sense. And, and Casey, I, I jumped at the opportunity to have you on the show because we talk to a lot of uh, small business owners, founders, entrepreneurs. And I think, you know, right now the the founder is a very trendy thing to be. Sure. Uh, to start a company is a trendy thing to do. When you and I were kids, that wasn't necessarily That's the right. case. Um, you know, we all wanted to work in the high rises and, you know, work for these multi-million dollar companies. And, and I'm sure a lot of folks still do that, but we do live in a, in a society that sort of, um, what's the word I'm, I'm looking for? It, it glorifies the entrepreneurial sure. journey. Maybe, you know, it paints a prettier picture that actually exists. Agreed. 
Um, but what it also does is it it motivate, motivates people in some ways through whether whether it's competition or just straight out jealousy and greed to to be very inwardly focused. Mm. And something that we tried to do on this show is spotlight people who are running businesses that are, are very community oriented. Um, something we say almost every episode is a rising tide lifts all boats, mm. right? So I think it was Kennedy, you know, that said mm. that in a, in a uh, speech. And I haven't found much in business to be more true than that because the people that, uh, like you said, you know, put the folks around them first and sort of forget about, you know, number one, tend to, to reap the benefits of that. Is that something that, that you've seen in your journey as well? Man, I, I'm, I, I, if I talk about Viktor Frankl too much, tell me to hmm. hush. But if you, you've ever heard of Viktor Frankl, man search for yeah. meaning. And this is, he said, don't pursue success. Hmm. It's like happiness. It can't be pursued. It only ensues when you're pursuing something greater than yourself. Hmm. And he was, I mean, he was in a concentration, you know, he's in Auschwitz. Right. Uh, terrible, terrible, you know, uh, to, COVID's been rough. Yeah. Auschwitz, another level. It's a different thing. It yeah. is. And so what he found in, in these terrible human circumstances is that some people started thriving. Hmm. You know, some people made these choices to do something incredibly different than the person beside them, hmm. even under that kind of pressure. And that's what I, I think a lot of times that we, we look at circumstances and it's like um, even pressures to say, how do we advance in the career? That, that's usually any advice that comes out of a book or anything. It's like, how do you advance in your career? How do you get more money? Mm-hmm. It's like Victor Frankl saying is you, if you pursue those things, you're actually going to be less likely to get them than if you actually pursue something greater than yourself. Sure. And for me, what that's been, whether we're talking about moving rock from one area to another, mm-hmm. talking about paving a parking lot, or talking about giving people advice about their insurance, all of that ends up being, what are we really doing? And I'm not saying, like, what should we be doing even. Yeah. I'm just saying what we really are doing is providing a value to somebody else. We're sure. trading our time, our services, our goods for their time, their goods, their service. Mm-hmm. We're meeting a need. And so if we look at it as it actually is, yeah. instead of say, well, we're just trying to uh, you know, use that as a feedback loop to get a little more money or a little mm-hmm. more happiness, not only will we not be successful, according to Viktor Frankl, don't take my word for it, <laughs> you know, he's saying, well, we're, we're, we're not seeing reality as it actually is. Mm-hmm. But when we pursue needs, when we pursue uh, you know, somebody needs to get from A to B and I'm able to pave a path for them to get there, Man, like that's something you can you can actually pursue, and when that need is met, of course, sure. all those other things ensue on the backside. Yeah, well, and you know, on a selfish level, the feeling you get from from meeting a need is a powerful thing as well. You know, from a very selfish standpoint, but you know, we all encounter. I think we all probably drive past a hundred needs a day sure. from folks in our community. Sure. You know, so it's it's um, funny that you said it's so yeah. it's selfish. I appreciate you seeing that though, yeah. right? Because a lot of people are like, "Well, I just meet needs because it makes me feel good," and it's like, "Well, that's still the you know we're still talking about me." <laughs> sure, <laughs> so sure. I appreciate you saying that's still yeah. selfish. And you're right, but you you what we'll do because we know that sometimes 
then we try to short circuit the process and we're like, sure. well, I'm going to pretend like I'm meeting needs because ultimately mm. I want it to look, you know, make me feel good right. or get me money. And it doesn't work. What right. Victor Frankl is saying is you have to actually pursue what if if the point of me and you sitting down right now is to highlight, uh, you know, that people can actually be for the community and, and we want to give them something cool to listen to and, yeah. you know, uh, something that's going to build them up and, and give them some good uh, wisdom to go forward if they're listening. Like if that's the real purpose, some of the decisions we make in marketing it and processing it and all those things are different than if we said, well, we're saying that, but really we're just trying to, you know, right. whatever, make make us feel good, make money, make whatever. Maximize sales. That's right. Yeah. yeah. There's sure. a, the difference in the decisions that happen along the way are dra- are very drastic. Right. No doubt about it. And and I, I want to talk a little bit more about the content in the actual book, but a question popped in into my mind when Bring. you were talking about your, your background and sort of your journey. Um, so you were you were doing the insurance thing out of school. It sounded like you spent a lot of time in school, but yeah. you, you yes. landed on insurance. You're doing well in it, but there was still something in you, an itch, or um, you know maybe it was a new adventure. What talk a little bit more about uh, you know the 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 Riles brothers business with your brother and why that was important for you guys to get started and what that that new journey was like for you. Yeah, man. I mean, you said a, a, a rising tide. Lifts all boats. Lifts all the boats. Yeah. So, like, really, uh, I was doing. We were, we were we started doing really well in insurance because, again, I really like people. I started mm-hmm. saying, "Look, I'm going to take care of people's needs." And what happened is, you know, success it did ensue, which mm-hmm. was awesome. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we started having some some extra cash, and my wife and I both agreed that we were going to be wise with that extra cash. We weren't going to just buy toys and things like that. We wanted mm-hmm. to do something that actually made a significant difference and uh, there's a one one particular time we got a a, a bonus at the end of the year and it was a big one so we were pumped Hmm. and I'm like you know what we're going to give away half of this thing and my wife's like are you crazy (laughs) (laughs) and uh, she she actually thought about it for a little bit and she was like no that's exactly what we need to do we're going to give away half of this thing and so what we did, we started thinking about it and talking and said, look, we're just going to put a, a, a dollar sign out there. And when we see a need that is near this dollar sign, and we've done this a few times since, it's like one of the funnest things we do. Hmm. It's like when we see a need that's at this, this monetary value, that's the need we're going to meet. That's how we're going to know. Like, like you said, you pass a thousand needs. You know, how do you know which one is mine to meet? Right. And I'm like, you know what? We're going to put a dollar sign on it and just say, we're going to meet that need uh, if it comes in at that, you know, price range. Sure. So actually at the time, this is not maybe the second time we've ever done this before at, at this point. But my brother came to me and he's like, hey, man, uh, I want to buy a dump truck. And um, I'm like, you know, I don't care anything about dump trucks. <laughs> I didn't think it was interesting. It's not a passion. I wouldn't follow in my heart, yeah. you know. What he saw is that there's a need, and and he actually loves fooling around with uh, you know moving dirt and different things. Mm-hmm. This paving thing's cool for him. Um, so we started talking about it, and my wife and I actually said, "Look, you know, if we put this amount of money, I, I've said this before. If I would have handed it to Joe, who's the first driver of that dump truck that we bought, mm-hmm. if I would have handed it to him and said, Joe, man, here you go. You, I want you to have this. You know, he'd have been cool for a year, maybe. You know, maybe a little longer." But if I was able to, to, to invest that in this dump truck, 
for the last four and a half years, Joe's had the dignity of work. Mm -hmm. I've given him a lot more money than I would have ever given him uh, in that initial offering, you know. So we were able to take that investment and do something that really changed not just his life, but now the 10 employees that work for us and, uh, you know, the countless needs we were able to meet because of that initial investment. So um, I think it's cool. You, You said that quote before I mentioned this, but actually this past week, on a different podcast, a guy said this. When I told him that story, he was like, oh, yeah, like a rising tide yeah. raises all the boats. I'm like, man, this is cool. Yeah. I'm no, hearing that's, it again. That's good. I'm glad somebody else said that because I think it's it's a sentiment we don't hear enough. Sure. You know, in the, in the circles that, that we run in as small business owners, uh, you know, it can be cutthroat. Uh, but, you know, if I've heard a lot of people talk about, okay, what are the good things that that come from the year we've had and COVID and everything that's gone on? And one of the few tangible things, I think, you know, different people will paint a different picture, but it's added some humility, I think, to all of us Mm -hmm. to realize, you know, we were talking about before we hit the record button today, there's folks that have started successful businesses, had years of prosperity, and have had to close their doors from no fault of their own. If that doesn't add a little humility, sure, you preach. know, to your perspective, then not much will, I don't mm-hmm. think. But uh, no, that's good. So you got to tell us about the donkey. The donkey man. Yeah. yeah. So the Joe actually has a donkey emblem. This yeah. is an amazing turnaround. This yeah. is this is my best sales pitch ever. <laughs> Joe actually made fun of the donkey when he first worked because he got ribbed from a couple guys, like you know, mm-hmm. uh, of course, you know, like about being a jackass. So. <laughs> So now today, Joe has a a hood ornament that's a donkey. Yes, he does. So he has bought fully in. (laughs) But what we said, man, I'm like, you know, it's the original beast of burden. If Mm. you wanted something moved, you went to the donkey and Mm. put it on his back. And I'm like, man, I told my brothers, construction is a stressful environment. I've never met one person in that whole arena that's not just entirely stressed out. Yeah. I'm like, we want to be the, the people who show up the way we hire our drivers. This kind of uh, kind of illuminates the way we hire drivers, the way we try uh, hire equipment operators, all of this, is we want to be the people who show up and take stress off your back. Hmm. You can put it on the Riles Brothers, just like originally you put it on the donkey. Right. Uh, now you put it on Riles Brothers. And, uh, you know, I was talking to somebody the other day. They were like, man, I read through some of your, uh, you know, material online. Like, I've never heard anybody describe a construction company this way. <laughs> and I was like, no, it's because we really believe that. Hmm. Like, my brother called me up not long ago, and he's like, man, uh, I just left this house. We poured this concrete pad. Again, there's, no, I mean, there's nothing, like, sexy about a concrete pad, you know? It's a concrete pad. But he was like, I walked out, and these people were, like, thanking me. He said, and it hit me that they had been saving for probably two or three years to be able to do this whole driveway that that he was able to hook them up with, you know? Sorry about that. No, you're good. Uh, You know, I'm like, he's able to give them something that they've been saving for for a couple years. And he was like, man, it was just hit me really hard. He said it was like a powerful moment that we were able to give them something that they had been thinking about for a couple years. And And that is when you say, like, when you say we're going out to meet needs or we're going out to what are you actually pursuing? Is it the profit or is it the incentive that comes back to me or is it actually a need? And again, when you have, when you're going in that direction, man, you see things that you've, you you would have missed otherwise. And that was one for him. He was like, he was fired up about it. 
Well, and you have to have an outward focus about the work that you're doing to have that moment to appreciate, you know, that coming from, you know, you know, your client and appreciate, you know, the sacrifice that they made over, like you said, a couple of years to save, to do something. And then that also motivates you in, in the quality of work that you put out, right, as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's not an abstract concept that you're talking about that when you turn the focus outward, you see the need, you meet it, you meet it excellently that your clients will be pleased They'll share your name with other folks. That leads to, you know, the success that you're looking for, but, you know, in a much different manner than if you're just, you know, scooping up every penny you can find sure. and, and, and raising the prices or whatever you got to do. So it makes sense when you sit down and think about Not it. Not abstract at all, but I cannot overemphasize that it is rare. Hmm. It is not rare to talk about it. Yeah. It is very rare to do it, even to the point where this is where I think it gets really clear. Is like when I, you know, we're we all are in sales. Dan Dan Pink, he's got one of the most top uh, top ten most watched TED talks of all time. But he says to sell is human. We're all in sales. Nine out of nine people, we're all selling something. You know, what no matter what it is. If we're entrepreneurs, of course we're selling our product or service. Right. Uh, you know, Ed Med, he said, you know, they're they're selling an idea. Uh, and then people in traditional sales, of course, you yeah, know, they're selling a product or a service. So he's like, we're all in sales and. Uh, that's when it gets down to like the follow-up if I'm gonna sell you a product then I follow up with you I can't tell you how many people tell me this they're like well I don't want to be I don't want to be pushy <laughs> and my question is always you don't want to be pushy or you don't want to appear pushy and that's a real question yeah because if you don't want to be pushy then that changes that you'll follow up differently than somebody who doesn't want to appear pushy but if I've really, like I, a lot of times my agents who work for me will come into my office and they'll say, hey, this is what so-and-so just said to me. Uh, what should I say back? And this is my question every single time. They get tired of it. What would you say if you really loved him? <laughs> <laughs> but really, yeah. what would you say to your brother? You know, if he was like, hey, man, I don't need that. But you really thought he did. That would change the way you, that whole conversation. You wouldn't be forceful. You wouldn't try to coerce him and manipulate him, but you would follow up. You would absolutely follow up. I think a lot of times we say, well, yeah, it's like treat everybody like you want to be treated. But these minute decisions, and that's why I try to kind of bring out in the book, is how differently you would actually act Mm -hmm. if if we did that on a moment-by-moment, day-by-day basis. Our work would look very differently than it does actually look sometimes. Sure, without a doubt. So let's talk about the self-management piece. Um, in in context of uh, you know the the folks that we talk to, I think a lot of people are 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 built are programmed very well to run one-person businesses. The challenge for them comes when. There's other mouths to feed. There's other personalities to deal with. There's other, you know, people in the room that you have to manage. And I think a lot of people are lost on that. But what I'm interested about um, about your book and how that re- relates to that is you sort of turn that around and say, hey, you're going to have a hard time leading other folks until you really fi- figure out the self-management piece. Dive into that a little bit and tell me why that's so important. Man, the the really, I say there's three questions. If I want to manage myself well, well, I, I guess I'll start this way. You know, you said uh, like things that we we talked about things that we pursue. Hmm. 
you know, most of the time on a day-by-day, moment-by-moment basis, we are pursuing something. For some people, it's money. For some people, it's recognition. For some people, it's approval from, you know, their peers or even themselves. Yeah. Uh, for some people, it's pursuing needs. And really what I'm arguing is that if, if we're going to manage ourselves well, ultimately all of us, there's a guy named uh, David Foster Wallace. He said that uh, he gave this famous speech at Kenyon College. And you ever heard of David Foster Wallace? He, he, like around 2000, everybody's like, this guy is the best new author. And unfortunately, he committed suicide a little later. But he, he gave a very famous speech at Kenyon College. And he was like, everybody, he's an atheist, but he said everybody worships something. And he, he goes through all the things, you know, everybody worships. Some people worship beauty. Some people worship money. Some people worship these things. But again, he, he's an atheist. His point is just that we all have this thing that we feel like if we get it, then we're okay. Yeah. Uh, and, and what I've, I'm like, man, it's so true at work. Like we all feel like, and it's different for all of us. For some people, it's like if I get money, it doesn't matter if you like me or not. Hmm. Some people are the opposite. I've run into people who really don't care that much about money, but man, they're like, they'll die if you think they're not awesome. Yeah. You know? So it's like everybody is working really hard for something. It's that thing that they're pursuing that we were talking about with Viktor Frankl. And I really, what I'm saying is really self-management is you choosing that thing that you're going to pursue. <laughs> because that's what uh, David Foster Wallace said. He's like, you don't get to choose if you worship you only get to choose what you worship. Mm. And isn't that crazy? Yeah. It, again, atheist, he's saying you don't get to choose if you worship. You are going to worship something. <laughs> he said, but you get to choose what that thing is. And what I'm saying is with us at work, I really think self-management starts with recognizing we are all pursuing something. We're, we're going behind something just like a guide on a hiking trip. Yeah. And so we get to choose what that something is. And so the first thing is, what is the guiding purpose of my work? That's the first question that I have to answer in self-management. And sometimes it's it's tough work. You know, yeah. sometimes we just think of like, well, I'm an insurance guy. <laughs> it's like, well, I had to spend some time thinking about, no, what is it actually that I'm trying, what are the needs that I'm actually trying to meet? Sure. And that's why like my personal mission statement became in my business, you know, to encourage people to make their next wise move, which is what's crazy about self-management. That turns around and, and really it applies Risk management is very much like self-management. It's saying that what, you know, I look into the future and I see what are all the possible futures that I can, you know, have a part in creating and then say, what do I do right now to create those possible futures? What's my next wise move? And so the first question that self-managers need to have to answer is what is that guiding purpose that I'm going to go after? Because if you haven't chosen the guiding purpose, you're getting dragged around by a purpose. Yeah. You just didn't know it. <laughs> so that's the first thing. You know. and maybe you didn't pick it. Maybe you didn't. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. maybe it's just like you just assumed sure. everybody's supposed to go after money. That's the number one thing is like most people think, and now it's cool. You said the new hip thing is to go after happiness. So it's like, mm. who cares if I meet a need? Who cares if I make any money? <laughs> yeah. As long as I'm happy and I'm passionate. I love this thing. Right. So you can, you know, there are self-management systems created around sure. pursuing happiness. My system of self-management is created around, I'm going to pursue a need. That's going to be the primary thing that I go after. What's the guiding purpose of my work is question number one. Question number two is who achieves that purpose, not how do they do it. 
because uh, James March is a research scientist. And I mean, this guy, he wrote a, a primer on decision making. So the most basic fundamental elements about making a decision. And he said, most of us think that we make decisions rationally. We do a pros and cons list and then we pick. He said, but really we make decisions from identity. So I'm like, I want to take that backwards then and say, what kind of identity do I need to build to make the decisions that I want to see in my life? Yeah. So one is, and that, there's a whole lot more to that I'm, we could go into for hours, but one is, What's the central purpose? What's the guiding purpose on my work? Two, who, what kind of person would achieve that purpose? And then three is how they do it. You know, it's, those are those pithy little statements that we just have like serve with a cost or, sure. you know, always make sure we celebrate. Those things that we would otherwise forget yeah. that we need to come back and kind of you know, just almost, I'd say like road signs, you know, like yeah. You you sh if you're really driving well, you would do this anyway. <laughs> but the signs there to just kind of say, hey, yeah. don't forget to stop here. You know, yeah. uh, that's kind of those three questions. If if I'm sitting down with somebody brand new, I've never met you before, I would try to walk through those three questions, man. Like if I'm an entrepreneur, I would walk through those three questions. How am I going to lead myself well, man? What is the guiding purpose of my work? What am I actually trying to accomplish here? What kind of person achieves that? And I want to start to become that kind of person. And then three. I need to just set me up some some guardrails, some signposts that remind me of those things that I want to accomplish as I go. Yeah, it's good. I uh, so I, I worked at Chick Fil A as a teenager. Yeah, and I feel like they're they're good at that that number three. Just, you know, just quick little you know memorable things that just guide the way you treat people, the way you uh, you know interact with customers, the way you interact with people you work with. Those uh, those guardrails, like you said, are, are super helpful, mm -hmm. and, and they're really good at it. Um, all right, so you are not an author by profession. No, no, you know? no. But you, you, you do the insurance thing, and then I guess, you know, if we're talking about the timeline, you kind of started on the book as you were starting Riles Brothers. We sure did. Talk about the process of, of, okay, you have these thoughts and you have these sort of principles that you want to, you know, put some clarity to in, in a cohesive work that, that you can put into a book. How did you go about the process of even even starting to, to figure out how you were going to do that? Um, yes. So this this when I started when I sat down first, I'm like, okay, here are the things that I have committed to in managing myself. Yeah. And so a lot of times, like I said, if you're if you're the kind of person that's like a great self manager and you don't have to think about it, it's hard for you to explain how you manage yourself to somebody. Yeah. Which is why I think there are not a lot of books about it. Because, you know, it's like a fish in water. They don't say I'm in water. You know, they, they're yeah. just there. And so if you're naturally that kind of person, if you naturally think that way, or you naturally steer yourself well, sometimes it's really hard to, you know, now explain hmm. it. So me, I'm coming from, I didn't really steer myself that well. I, I didn't hmm. manage myself that well. And so I knew I needed to start learning some of these principles. And so as I learned them, I started to apply them in my life. And I saw incredible results, which is really, it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like you jump out of the plane and there's like, there's a backup parachute, I promise. But, you know, you think about it, you yeah. start pursuing needs and you're like, well, is it really going to ensue? Or am I going to be able to like feed my family? You know, yeah. like you, a lot, I've heard this from other individuals saying like, no, this is the best way that this is the wisest way to live. Mm -hmm. I'm like, but, you know, it's when you jump into it, 
it's like, well, what if it's not? You know, it's kind of scary. It was for me. Sure. But then when I did, I'm like, good grief, man. Like, I want everybody. Like, I, I want everybody to be able to feel this way. I want everybody to be able to think about their work in this way. Hmm. So when I, when I started it, man, I was just like, you know, that I kind of thought about the process for me. And I thought about, um, you know, just how, like, before I jumped into Last to Least, here was kind of the way I thought in the worst to first model. So that's kind of how it starts out, like alternatives to last to least. Right. Here's what I thought before. Here are those other systems of self-management that are out there. Just so you see why how it's different. Hmm. And then the second thing that I thought is like when I really when I really left my old way of thinking for the new way of thinking, there was a pretty big like confrontation. Like I had to be like, okay, you know, what what kind of person do I want to be? You know, what kind of uh, worker do I want to be? What kind of business owner or employee do I want to be? And so there was a big kind of moment where it's like you kind of clash with yourself sure. and say, uh, you know, I need to really take inventory of who I am. And I, I went through that process and yeah. kind of talked about that process, uh, you know, in, in a confrontation. And then just kind of laid out, okay, now what it, what is it? What are those three questions? It's kind of the last yeah. three parts that, that have kind sure. of helped me guide uh Got helped guide me through my work, and I'll tell you the the end result. The publisher man, I mean these people were phenomenal. Yeah, like they are professionals at this. So, <laughs> like they would send yeah. me back, and I was like, yes, that's what I was trying to say, but you made it clearer than I did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like they're on the outside looking in. And I'm telling them what I want to say, sure. and they're reading what I'm what I've written, and they're like, well. You really were saying it more like this. I'm like, yeah, that's okay. Yeah, you're reading my mind there. You know, sure. So it got a lot better as we uh, as we went for sure. That's awesome. Well, and what you were saying too about the, the confrontation that can ensue is, you know, when we do something a certain way for 20, 30, 40 years, mm-hmm. we're really good at doing things that way, even if it's not yielding the results that we want. So when mm-hmm. we go to a different frame of mind or, uh, you know, a different paradigm that all of a sudden we're, we're trying to implement, we're not going to be as good at that other thing Mm-mm. to start off. So you're bound to have some losses early on or some, some perceived losses, mm-hmm. you know, based on that old mindset. And it's gonna, it's easy to think, all right, I'm, I'm just going to go and, and do this the way I've been doing it for 20, 30 sure. years, whatever it might be. So did you run into any of that, you know, in, oh. in sort of your transformation and how did you push through that and plow through? Uh, you know, a, a lot of it was just having to be, you know, bluntly honest with myself. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's like, okay, over and over again, I get to this point, uh, you know, in a transaction with somebody and then they back out and you want to blame them. You know, it's like you're a young entrepreneur and you're like, okay, I know that I've had like four people who've wanted to start businesses with me, but then they tell me X, you know, whatever X is. They tell me this. All four of them have told me. And they're all four the same. What's wrong with these people? It's like, no, sometimes I have to yeah. go back and be like, okay, <laughs> four people in a row just told me the right. same thing about myself. Mm-hmm. So that confrontation kind of comes in when it's like, I have to actually look in the mirror and be like, okay, maybe it's not them. Yeah. You know? I mean. Which is a hard thing to do. Oh, man. Yeah. It's, it's almost yeah. impossible. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I knew this. I knew this is going to be, this is too much, man. Sorry, you may want to edit this out. But I knew this lady, man, and she had she had been married like five times. And, mm. and like her daughter told me when she was like, 
hey, you know, my mom's just picked the wrong guy five times. And I'm like, at some point, <laughs> you've got to look in the mirror and be like, hey, maybe yeah. it's me, man. <laughs> sure. Yeah, and, and we all do that. It's like, you know, and marriage will reveal a lot of those things Preach. for you. Uh, and I've realized in, in nine years that, you know, all right, in, in the real world, you, you can say, oh, what's wrong with that guy? Oh, what's wrong with that guy? Yeah. What's wrong with that guy? Right. But when you're dealing with the same person over and over, and the same goes with employers or employees that you're around every day, you know, eventually you gotta you got to face those demons and figure out yes. you know, what you're contributing to the, to the situations that, that's not working out right, right? We sat, me and one of my best buddies, man, we sat in our office. This was, uh, you know, years ago, and I'm like, I told him, you know, I had had some really big success early on at, at my company. Mm. And, like, you know, we do all these award shows and everything. And, like, I'm getting paraded around, getting trophies and everything. And everybody's like, good grief, how do you do it? Tell us how we do it. And, you know, at, at the time, I'm just like, I don't, you know, I, I didn't really have a whole lot for them at the time. I'm like, um, I don't know. I ask yeah. everybody. You know, and so uh, then a couple years went on where I'm like, you know, I don't know if this is what I want to do really. Mm. I don't know if this is what I want to do in my whole life. I've been here you know, five years at the time, and I'm like, you know, I've had this success, but I mean, I almost had this moment that you have, I didn't re reach celebrity status by any means, <laughs> but you know, you hear about celebrities and they're like, man, is this it? Like, this is what going in and being successful is like, like that's all there is to this. <laughs> and so I almost like was like, okay, and I felt, I think a lot of people have these moments. It's like, maybe it's a new industry. I need a, I need a new employer. <laughs> I need a new job. I need a new industry. I need a new idea. And I did. I started thinking that. And I told my buddy, I had a couple years after that where, you know, I, did, I wasn't so great. I was more, you know, in, in the middle. You know, I was, I was like the, the B student. And I looked at him one day and I told him, I was like, hey, man, you know, if I was the one promoting, I wouldn't promote me. Hmm. I said, you know, I, I've done really, really amazing, like almost like my golf game. Like there, I've got about eight good <laughs> shots. Over over eighteen holes, I've got eight that make Tiger just jealous. Right, but the rest of the game is, you know, who knows what's happening. But I'm like, yeah, I've I've put together these really magical moments, but I don't know how to do it consistently. Hmm. And really, that was one of the first things that was like, okay, if I want to be consistent, I need to learn to manage myself well. And that was that was that that confrontation part probably came out of that conversation when he and I looked at each other and I've just finally had an honest moment. I'm like, Hey, I'm not, I'm not being the kind of person that, you know, I would want to see if I was the person in charge. Yeah. Well, we usually ask folks, you know, where do you see the, your business going from here, your product? What's the, what are the long-term goals? I want to spin it a little differently for sure. you. What at the end of the day, you know, if this is the only book you ever write, and at the end of your career, you look back on last to least. What do you hope that that the book accomplishes? Man, no, no question. Like, I if somebody if somebody and this has happened just a rare t couple times, but for somebody to say, hey, man, like I read that, I was in this mindset where I'm like, I need a new career, I need a new job. Mm -hmm. It's everybody else around me; they're the problem. And then when I read through this, I realized, man, I need to learn to steer myself well, not just through like which job I take, but through my current job. I need to be able to, to manage myself well right where I am. And then if, if I learn to manage myself well, it still may be time to move. I may, I may need a new industry. I may need a new company. I may need a new, need a new product to sell or, or whatever. 
But the first thing I need to do before I answer that, and I would love for somebody to say, I realized I need to learn to manage myself first. Mm. You know, if they were able to say that, I mean, ultimately that is the need that last the least is trying to meet is to create excellent self-managers, people who are able to steer themselves well. And what's crazy, it becomes a really cool leadership tool after that. It's like, if I can steer me well, now I can teach you how to steer you well. So I am essentially now a leader in your life. If I'm the one teaching you to, you know, steer yourself well. So man, big win, big, big win for me would be like people being able to say, I walked away from reading this book. I realized it wasn't the career, it wasn't the job that, that was the, always the problem. It was just, man, I need to learn how to steer myself, and this book helped me do it. Well, and you know, in, in sports, we talk about how important the leadership is and how important that is for team success. Just what you said right there, you know, makes a ton of sense. And if you're leading yourself well, you're leading your team well, they become, you know, good self managers. It's infectious. It goes mm-hmm. throughout your entire organization and from top to bottom, and, and success ensues, right? So mm-hmm. makes a ton of sense. Casey, thanks so much for uh, for hanging out with us today. Absolutely. Man. Um, best of luck on the book, book launch. We're, we're rooting for, for all the success in the world, and, and keep us up to date on on what we can do on our end to help. That's awesome, man. I, and I will say, I hope what ensues is we sell about 3 million copies. Yeah. So. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Appreciate it, man. Yes, sir. Take care. Follow Casey on Instagram at jcaseyriles for a daily dose of wisdom and more details on the book release. You can also find him on LinkedIn for some great business advice. Atlanta Born and Brand is a production of Connects Media. We're a full-service digital media company focused on helping small businesses tell their story in the most effective way they can. If you'd like to tell the story of your business, we'd love to help. You can find us at connectsdatl.com. Make sure to subscribe to Atlanta Born and Brand and Apple Podcasts or wherever you happen to be listening. If you like the show, we'd really appreciate a review and a rating. And of course, share it with your friends. Keep up with the show on social media. We're at ATL Born Brand on Instagram and Twitter. And you can also like our Atlanta Born and Brand Facebook page. Finally, you can find all the previous episodes of the show on our website, atlborn.com. For Atlanta Born and Brand and Connects Media, I'm Jonathan Hilliard. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you all soon.